0: Welcome to the Athletes Marathon Podcast, conversations that help people maximize their full potential by helping them understand that life is more like a marathon than it is a sprint. From former athletes, personal trainers, coaches, social media influencers, and entrepreneurs talk about their journey on and off the field and how they maximize their talents once they hung up their cleats. And here's your host, Matt Choi.
1: In this episode, I interview the director of education at Reload PT in New York City. Growing up in Queens, This guest was exposed to various sports, demographics, and experiences that helped shape him into who he is today. He has found a passion for helping people remain an active lifestyle so they can stay healthy as they age. We talk about the impact of being an athletic adult and how it can keep people healthy over time. Without further ado, here's episode 48. Welcome to the Athletes Marathon Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Choi, and we're extremely lucky to have an awesome guest, Andy Chen. Andy's located in New York City, and he's the Director of Education at Reload PT, as well as a clinician. Andy, how you doing today, man?
0: Good, brother. How are you?
1: Doing very well, man. And obviously, Andy, this is the first time we've actually connected face-to-face. So for my audience that probably does not know much about you, I guess, can you give a little background about yourself before we get started here?
0: Yeah, so I'm originally born and raised in Queens, New York. I went to undergrad in Buffalo, studied psychology. I was originally in business first, but you it didn't really suit me that well. So when I transferred to Buffalo, I took psychology, and then I started taking some prerequisites for physical therapy. Uh, Went down to school in University of St. Augustine in Miami. I graduated maybe almost two years ago, and yeah, the Hear it right now.
1: <laughs> awesome. So, so you moved around a little bit. Um, you see, you grew up in Queens, I guess. Andy, talk a little bit about yourself as a kid. What were you like? like Were you big into sports? Were you like typical Asian parents, kind of, you know, education is so important type of thing? Like, how were you as a kid?
0: Yeah. I mean, growing up, we were very anti Asian just because, like, my brothers and I were in grade in school. Uh, we played pretty much everything up until high school. And in high school, I picked handball because at that time I was like 115 pounds. Okay. So that was the only sport I can really get into. Um, but yeah, growing up in Queens, it's pretty diverse. You know, we played like football after school, soccer, all that stuff. But yeah, like parents being Asian, it's like, what's the point in that, you know, you should be focusing on school and things like that. So it's always been rough, but it is what it is. Got to appreciate where you come from.
1: No, a hundred percent. I think, uh, I think a lot of kids, I can resonate with that. I mean, I felt the same. Um, I- I'm lucky that I kind of had a parent that wasn't so kind of like you probably, like, that that was kind of okay with it in a sense. But I know a lot of friends, Andy, that, like, they have the opposite. And, like, they're like, no, like, no sports are allowed type of mentality. And sometimes that's tough on the kid, you know?
0: No, for sure. And that's one of those things where, like, when you're a kid growing up and you see all your friends in, like, these little league stuff and you're like, damn, I'm just playing at the park. So that kind of <laughs> sucked. But... It is what it is.
1: Right, right, right. So so Andy, I said when you're at Buffalo, you you said psych a business first, then you did psychology. I guess when was the turning point like that you were like, shoot, like this physical therapy thing was something that you were interested in?
0: So when I was I was in Baruch originally in, in New York City and that was one of the things where I just wasn't I didn't feel like I was in the right mindset, I meaning I was attending business school there, all the classes weren't really doing much for me. I wasn't getting excited. I finally got to transfer to University of Buffalo. And from there, I didn't know I wanted to do physical therapy right off the bat, but I got an injury and I was having some carpal tunnel syndrome on my right, right arm. Mm -hmm. And from there I went to physical therapy. I got, you know, the rehab was spectacular. The clinicians there were awesome. But the thing that really resonated with me was that they were really happy that I was making progress. And I've never seen that kind of empathy before where it you no, know, when I was telling her, like, I was able to get back to the gym, I was able to do a couple of things more with my right arm, and she was legitimately, like, smiles, so right. it was just cool to see someone so invested in your care, and I was like, damn, I think this is what I want to do.
1: I, I mean, that's, that is amazing, I think, and especially for it to be a stranger, too, right, like, someone that's, you don't really know, but they, you know, obviously, you're seeing them, whether it's once a week, twice a week, and, you know, they do care, and, like, they're they're happy to see the improvement, um, you know, and that's one thing I will say, Andy, like, I think for PTs, you know, at least the, the the places that I've like been at an intern that, like, they actually don't want you to come back like a lot, right? Like they want you to come back, figure out like what you need to do. And like, obviously, at some point, like their goal is to get you out of there and get back to your day to day life, right? And I think that's something that it's extremely powerful, because you're helping people ultimately live their the lifestyle that they want to live, right?
0: Yeah, and that's, for me, it's coming out of school I didn't think I would have a lot of people that I would see that I would only see for one or two sessions mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like you know you see someone twice a week for the next 12 weeks and that was the only model that I knew but there's a lot of people that come into the door and, and I see them maybe once or twice and I'm more of a consultant than I am you know quote-unquote fixing them
1: right 100 percent um Andy what was uh when you were going through PT school I guess like, think about put yourself in like if you're in your younger shoes right now like what piece of advice would you give a young Kid who's like, all right, I want to be a PT. Like, how was school, and like, like, what piece of advice would you give that young kid?
0: How I, I tell this, <laughs> I that's as, a, it's
1: a double question. There, you know.
0: No, I tell this to everybody that asked me for advice, like going into PT school, and I tell them straight up, you should be a trainer because you learn how to. One, you learn the nitty and gritty of you know getting building relationships and navigating that kind of area where you're trying to. The word I'm looking for you try you're, you're essentially balancing all these things that you don't normally get when you're in physical therapy uh-huh. I meaning you know there are certain expectations when someone's a trainer like oh but I want to work out this way or I want to do it this way so you get to learn how to like juggle different personalities but it also sets a foundation for you moving after school because if you're a trainer you're going to meet more people you know right. this is it's just building a better network Cause I think a lot of physical therapists think, Oh, you know, I should just learn from physical therapists or I should, you know, just network with other physical therapists, but you should really build a network within the community. doesn't matter if they're a group fitness instructor, personal trainer. I just think that you should know everyone within the community.
1: I, that, I love that. That's, I think that's a, that's a great piece of advice. And um, I guess Andy talking about more when you were like, a student as a, in, in graduate school, like, was there like any moments where you're like, damn, this is tough. Like just studying and constantly reading, like, Was there any moments for you that were like, damn, is this what I want to do? Or like, were you kind of pretty headstrong with it?
0: No, I was pretty headstrong with it, honestly, because when I applied to PT school, I got eight, I applied to 18 different programs. Mm -hmm. I only got one interview. And then from that one interview, I got waitlisted and ultimately I got selected. But I wasn't a great student at all growing up. Like high school, I think my average GPA was like a 77. I was in academic probation twice in undergrad. Okay. Graduated with like a two seven. So like when I got into school, I was like, "This ain't like I'm not playing around anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to get this done." Okay. But physical therapy school, it's like for me, it was I don't want to say it was easy, but I never really, I never really thought twice. You know, like okay. I knew it's what I wanted to do, and it's the best I ever did academically ever. So I was like, pretty. It impressive. sounds
1: almost like Andy because you found a passion or you found something that you really enjoyed that you're willing to put the the effort into it right
0: no yeah so and that's what people say like what do you do when you don't work and I'm like most of the time honestly I'm reading about how to get better (laughs) at work it's it's not good for the long term but I think in the short term you know when you're younger you just got to keep your head down and keep working try to get better make a name for yourself get to meet other people
1: 100% I think it's uh you know I feel very similar in the sense that and it being like a you know being Korean. Are you Korean or are you? I'm Chinese. You're Chinese. Okay. Yeah. So we're still, I mean, still Look, it's kind of like family still, but, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, as I like went to play college football, you know, I told my mom, my, my, I told my my mom, this like years down the road of like, I hated school too. Like, like, honestly, like, I would be so honest and be like, yo, like I've found so many ways to cheat on tests and quizzes and like, <laughs> you know, su- especially subjects that like, I did not really care about. But to your point, when you find something that you enjoy and you start applying yourself, I think as humans, we impress ourselves with what we're actually capable of when you dedicate your time and, and, and some money in a sense too, um, to, to push forward a dream or a passion. And I felt the same way when I got into the training space of just like, damn, like I know the NASA is super easy to pass, but like, even for me, like Andy, that was like, all right, you sit down and you got to read 20 chapters. Right. And like mm-hmm. actually put yourself into the textbook and also apply it into actual training in the training world. But I think that uh, when you find what you love to do, and I think if you're a kid listening to this, it's a lot easier to to commit yourself when you have a passion for something versus just doing something because your parents or your friends are telling you that, oh, I think this would be good for you. So I think, and that's the only reason I'm highlighting that, because I think a lot of kids will resonate with that.
0: No, man, and you're right. But the one thing I didn't realize was that like it's still hard, you know what I mean? Like You find your passion and it's still hard. Mm-hmm. So- not like it's going to be a breeze, and you're learning these things, and like, oh, everything's clicking. Like, I almost feel like it becomes more difficult once you find out what you're, you know, after. Right. Because now I, there's like this like endless mission going on to be better and better and better.
1: I think that that mission though, Andy, it's more enjoyable, right? Versus like, I I think the struggle of doing that is that process is enjoyable versus like kind of going doing the mundane thing where it's kind of like an easier task in that sense. Um. Andy, now I kind of want to fast forward now. So you get your doctorates, right? I guess, like, where did you, like, implant your feet first Um, in terms of, like, the PT world? Like, was it at Reload, or was it somewhere else smaller, and you kind of built up your network from there?
0: So when I first got out of school, I was planning to go out on my own, but then my current boss right now, Ryan, had reached out to me, and, you know, he was just kind of telling me, like, you're after the same things that i'm after you know we're we're very similar in the sense that we're just trying to raise the standard of healthcare and help more people and do it on our terms so one of the things he offered me was the job because he told me like listen you're going to go on your own you're going to make you know some mistakes you're going to learn there's going to be a lot of growing pains and i've been through that all already so i can help you with that so i think it's i'm just offering you you know a position with our team because i think you'd be a great fit so, after that, I, I took the offer, and the rest is kind of history. like we've just been doing everything we possibly can this like past year and a half,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: really um, fortunate to be in a position I'm at because I, I honestly think it's one of the best jobs you can probably get in p t
1: right and honestly I've seen and if you guys are uh, on Instagram, make sure you guys follow Andy as well as uh, reload p t because they put out a good a bunch of good stuff. um Andy, I want you to kind of talk about you know your guys's like thought process and your your mentality when it comes to PT specifically at reload and how you guys kind of um, create a program even for general people and how it's kind of, it's not your passive modality, right? So I guess talk about that in that sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, we always believe in like an active approach, a functional approach can what I've been saying recently is that it's scalable, meaning if I can look at the way you move and I can implement a couple of exercises, and all those exercises are scalable and they're relevant to your goals. That means that once I know you can do a calf raise, I can probably get you back to running. Once I know that you can do a squat, I can probably help with your knee pain because all these things are scalable. A bodyweight squat becomes a goblet squat, becomes a front squat. So everything that we're looking at is what's this person capable of right now and what's that person want to be able to do by the time they leave us? And is there a gap there? If there's a gap, then we need to fill it. And that's kind of our approach is we reverse engineer everything. Figure out where this person's at right now and it would create a plan to get them where they wanna be.
1: Awesome. And I, I guess, Andy, would you say like, this, is, this can be relatable and replicable to athletes, to general population, to anyone, right?
0: Yeah, so when you, you, know, when you make a cut as an athlete, you gotta decelerate your body and then you gotta change direction. When someone is 60 years old and they trip over a shoe, they got to decelerate the body mm-hmm. and essentially change directions again. So even though it doesn't look like the same thing, you're still training the same qualities. Is someone able to absorb their force and reproduce it into another direction? Right. Um, you know, we have a, in physical therapy world, there's a sit-to-stand test. It's how fast can you do five sit-to-stands in uh, ideally within, uh, I think it's, how fast can you do five sit-to-stands? And given the time, it's gonna predict your fall risk. And to me, that's like the five rep max that people train in the gym. Everything is very similar, just different contexts.
1: Right, and, and if, you don't, if you don't know the sit-to-stand, it's basically a squat, right, Andy? Yeah. Just like literally your ability to sit on the toilet, stand back up, that type of, um, which is a daily function in, in, in people's lives. Um, No, I love that, Andy. And I think, uh, did you guys get pushback from more general pop where they're like, but but Andy, like Dr. Andy, like. I, you know my back hurts and i think that this is gonna make i'm I'm nervous to do this movement right like an rdl or something where they're they're in a hinge position and maybe their back is more exposed do you get pushback a lot from more of your general pop
0: there's definitely on a case-to-case basis but i would say for the most part people a lot of people that come in right now have this expectation that we're a little bit different right they know that they're going to train regardless of what it is and again I, i tell people all the time you know if if you're gonna do something like a deadlift or a squat in the gym, it's only because I know you're gonna be doing it outside of the gym. So we're using exercise as a vehicle to improve your life outside of the gym mm-hmm. because it's inevitable. We're gonna deadlift, we're gonna squat, we're gonna lunge, we do all these things, carries when we're outside of the gym. So it only makes sense to train it.
1: Right. No, I like that. I love that because I think honestly, that's I, I feel like from even the because like some of my clients as a trainer are a little bit older and sometimes they become very apprehensive with like even new movements, Andy, where it's like, oh, like, but we haven't done that before. And like, I don't want it to like mess up my golf swing. Right. Cause a lot of them have hobbies. And obviously for me as a trainer, I'm just trying to make sure that they're active in their day-to-day life, but also that they can remain healthy for their hobbies. But I think sometimes like as they get, as people get older, you get a little bit more scared of change in general, I think. And I think a lot of times that kind of pushes your mindset to be a little bit smaller because you don't want to try new things. And Honestly, I think it's something that I need to work on more with them to, like, slowly challenge them because I always throw in, like, one or two new things that are, like, just, like, small progressions to a movement that they've been already mastered, right? And I think that mentality is is awesome to have because, like you said, like, your day-to-day movements can be replicated in your workouts, and if you can do them there, then you should be fine in your your day-to-day life, right? yep
0: and that's a tough part too it's like certain people have these certain they like workouts or certain exercises and they want to stick to the same you know exact regimen Mm -hmm. and that's where I kind of you know someone coming into me with pain or experiencing you know a lot of discomfort persistent discomfort this is where kind of the interview comes into play and I ask them like you know what are some things you've tried and what are some things that you feel like helped didn't help because most of the time someone's coming to you there, are oh someone's coming to me for discomfort i've got to figure out why and if their current lifestyle their current behaviors have you know caused them to have persistent injuries for a couple of years then that's for me like do you want i always ask like do you are you up to try something new because what we've been doing hasn't been giving you the results that you wanted so for me i don't want to keep trying the same thing because i know that nothing's going to change
1: i like that no i think that's 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 perfect um Andy what are your uh so you know obviously we've had a a crazy year in 2020 um and you know with COVID and, and the pandemic especially in New York um because fun my dad lives in Queens so I kind of I, I always hear oh, from, nice. uh, how New York's been and you know New York's kind of like a second home for me um but I guess how has the pandemic changed your guys' outlook on on how you guys are operating your business with people maybe a little bit more apprehensive to come into your guys' physical location. I guess, what have you guys kind of implemented there?
0: The first thing we were thinking about was just, you know, let's like forget about the business for a sec. Like, let's just figure out how we can help people, the people that have been, you know, supporting us for so long. So it's just making sure everyone has something to do, something that they can keep moving because most of the time, you know, there's just an inactivity crisis and gyms being closed and all these restrictions are just perpetuating the problem. So we had to make sure that everyone within, you know, our patient and client roster had something to do. Um, but moving forward, I think a big part of what, what's going to be very impactful is online training. And we've kind of carved out a space in there doing the athletic adults program. But we're trying to do it a little bit different in the sense that it's not, hey, you know, you get this PDF or you get videos, exercises, and that's it. We're actually doing like two live sessions a week. Mm-hmm. where we coach people and help people along the way. And we have, you know, body weight programs, and we also have kettlebell programs.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And I guess, Andy, talk, talk, highlight that a little bit, the athletic adults. And I think people listen to that, like really let that resonate really quick because, um, you know, it's funny, Josh Funk just posted something about like how you get older. There's this mantra of like, oh, your knees are going to be hurting in your 30s and 40s, and you're not going to be able to run and operate the same. I guess talk about what this like athletic adult mentality it kind of means for you and I guess um, with what you guys do day to day.
0: With athletic adults, we're just literally, we're trying to make people move again. You know, like I think you get a lot from traditional gym exercises like squatting, deadlifting, push, pull, lunge, carry, but we also try to get people to start jumping, sprinting, skipping, build coordination, do all these things that they might not have you know, done in a while. So to move like an athlete, I just feel like you get to train like one. So what do athletes do? You know, they, a lot of them sprint, and a lot of them jump. Do all these kind of plyometric training. So a big part of the program is getting people used to plyos again. Cause one of the things we always say is life never slows down. So we have to train fast. Yeah. And that's kind of where we're bridging that gap of it's just not typical resistance training. We're gonna get you moving. We're gonna build your balance again. We're gonna get you more explosive again. Cause that's the first thing you lose as an adult. Yeah. You lose power, you lose strength, and then you lose endurance. So why not try to get that power as long as you physically can?
1: No, I love that. I mean, it's, I, think it's, I think it's awesome. I mean, I, I think for me, Andy, I've always, like, have that mentality of, like, you know, I want to defy the odds. Like, you know, when I'm in my 30s, 40s, I want to be able to still, like, go run 5, 10 miles. Like, do whatever, like, that you want to do, right? And ultimately, not everyone's a runner. But to your point, you can do, like, you know, squat jacks. Like, that little ability to do a quick plyo, like, something small even, and, I think it is important because to your point, I think the first thing that goes is like that power. Like, no, not how many people in their 40s or 50s are doing like box jumps anymore. Right. And it's not common. <laughs> um, Andy, talk about uh, so you're, you're what's your typical workout routine like? Because I love seeing your post when you're like, I'm just going to do the 10 snatches at each arm. Like, I love seeing that because I love the the flexibility of being at home and like, you know, squ- squeezing in at a quick workout. I guess what are your day-to-day uh, workout habits like, and, and stuff like that?
0: Dude, it's it's tough, man. Honestly, because I find it I find it hard to carve out like a full hour to train. So like I'm just trying to get it in whenever I can. Um, but like I've I've got like a little note on my phone with you know my one-hour workouts if I have the time, like some stuff written down, and I have notes on my phone for like 20, 30 thirty-minute workouts, sometimes fifteen minutes, whenever I can just train, I'm gonna train. But ideally, right now, I'm mainly just kettlebells. You know, like if, if I have clients all day, then I'm doing 10 snatches right, left, and I'm going to try to get five rounds randomly throughout the day. Um, if I can, um, you know, carve out an hour, then I'll do more of a, like a powerlifting thing where I'm going to bench, squat, or uh, deadlift. But if it's quick, man, like set a timer for 20 minutes, and I'll do like an EMOM with kettlebells. I really like the armor complex, which is uh, two cleans, one press, and three squats okay and you you know work to rest ratio the same like 20 minutes it's a great workout so right. little complexes like that where for me it's more important just to get the training and than it is to have like an optimal training program because you know day-to-day is just so crazy
1: yeah yeah i think that's uh i guess t- talk about that a little bit too then andy like you know a lot of, a lot of people think like oh because you guys are a trainer you're a pt that you have this specific program that you're following but with like, with life, man, like sometimes like, you just don't have the time to squeeze into your point, an hour, 90 minute workout. Cause it's just there's not enough time in the day. Right. So I guess like, are you like, have you been okay with just like the flexibility mindset of like, Hey, if I don't work out today, it's good. You know, tomorrow I'll try to squeeze something in. Right.
0: Yeah. I just try to get in like five training sessions a week. doesn't okay. matter what it is. I'm just going to make it. doesn't matter if it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. I just want to be able to train, but it's just not optimal. You know <laughs> Like especially if you're very busy outside of work it's hard to do both and i'm always going to prioritize you know my long-term growth and i am going to prioritize you know gym growth because yeah. long-term growth helps more people gym growth just for me right and I, I feel like there'll be a time and place for that
1: um andy i think mean, this is, might be a selfish question for me too but um you know you talk about like all your off time you enjoy reading and kind of like that growth mindset aspect i guess. Like, what, are, are you big on, like, PubMed? Like, what, like what uh, resources and stuff like that do you kind of follow in that sense of um, just education-wise?
0: Right now, I'm all over the place. Uh, I'm part of, and I'm very uh, spontaneous in the sense that right now I'm, I'm part of two mentorships. Okay. Um, I try to read, you know, I always have, like, two or three books in my backpack, and it's just depending on, like, the context of the day. I Meaning, if I had a long day at work, like, I'm not going to read about neuroscience. I'm just going to read an easier-going book. Right. Um, PubMed and I don't really use PubMed. I just follow a lot of people that post research, and I'm like, oh man, like, and it's one of those things where I always say, success leaves clues. Mm-hmm. So if I see someone really doing well in our field, I'm just gonna read everything they read. I'm gonna do everything they do because I know, you know, it'll pay pay off in the long run. Right. But there's usually a couple of people that I really respect in the field. They'll post some research papers that I think might help. Uh, might help me think a little bit uh, different clinically because I don't want to keep reading the same things. You know what I mean? Like some people will like keep reading about like how stretching doesn't have an effect or stuff like that. I just, I, tr- I only read research when I think it's going to really impact my clinical thinking. I don't read, the, you know, there's a lot of research that's already disproved some, you know, passive modalities, for instance, and people still continue to read it. And I'm like, it's just a waste of time. You know, it doesn't work. <laughs> but a new <laughs> article comes out, I'm not going to read it. It's, right. it's going to tell you the same thing it told you three years ago. <laughs> i try to be as um intentional as possible
1: right right Not i like that i mean um i guess andy then what would you say like what's something that you believe in that m- maybe is more radical in the sense of like the, the fitness industry like maybe it's the stretching thing like what's something that you like to the core that you believe does not actually work that many people trainers fitness industry think does and i don't mean to put you on the spot no, no, like yeah the- <laughs> i mean there's
0: a lot um foam rolling um and it doesn't even matter if it vibrates because you know they got the vibrating foam rollers and stuff right stretching all the passive modalities whether it's like ultrasound um dry needling i'm not even a fan of cupping there's a lot of stuff that for me it's times there's you can allocate that time better you know you can create a you can create a training effect in that time instead of essentially making people feel more fragile and I'm not going to say it doesn't work because it's always based on context, you know, like someone really feels great after cupping and it's kind of like massage, like anything increases blood flow. You know what I mean? Like if you walk, you're starting to increase blood flow. So people, but I'm not going to say no to massage. I don't think it works in the sense that people think it does, you know, you're breaking up knots and all that stuff because those things haven't been shown to exist. But it's one of those things that still, even if it's not doing those things, it might be doing something else. You know, if you're relaxing, that's going to improve your recovery. So, all these things, I don't think it's all de- dependent on context. You know what I mean? Like, certain people really find it relaxing to get cupped or dry needled. So, while it might not be breaking up these knots or something like that, it's still providing that relaxing effect that's going to help drive recovery.
1: Right, right. No, I mean, I, I like that. I mean, it's, it's, Honestly, Andy, I, I started because I was around rehab to perform. I started like getting that same mentality ingrained into me, right? Especially as a trainer, I'm like, damn. I, I, I as a as a as a former college football player, like we our trainers told us foam roll. Like we foam rolled before a lot of our workouts, and <laughs> it would be a post stretch. Like we would stretch after like a a, a crazy sprint workout or a cardio workout, whatever. But I, I think to your point, there's there's always context, and each person, you know, there's something that they want in their recovery process more than others like for me like when i go on a run i do enjoy like a quick five minute stretch afterwards yeah. just because it feels good right and i think to andy's point you got to find what works for you um at the same time understand that a lot of the stuff out there, there 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 might not always be a benefit of it but if you feel like it's helping you then I kind of kind of stay in your own lane in that sense
0: yeah and i'm just coming from like for me as like a lot of the people that we see in the clinic have been in persistent pain for a couple of years right we don't get people coming in for like an ankle sprain, like everyone that's coming in, it's been like persistent pain. So they get told these narratives and I'm just coming on the other side of the spectrum, the extreme where people are saying you got to break up these knots with foam rolling. You got to, you know, stretch for an hour at a time because your hips are so tight. Mm -hmm. So I just hear it from the other extreme. But again, like you said, it's if you enjoy it and it doesn't take up much of your time and you're still getting everything else you need. It's more about that. Are you getting what you need and not just... If as long as you're strength training and doing all the other stuff that comes with uh, training, then I'm okay with a little bit of foam rolling or stretching. Right. But if you're not training at all and you're spending all your time stretching and foam rolling, then you're just, in my opinion, wasting time. Uh, if your goal is active.
1: Right. Right. Um, Andy, what are your thoughts? Like, are there is there like a specific injury from you as a clinician that you're like, damn, this is a hard hurdle to go through in the sense of like the mental barrier. The physical limitations of the client like a specific injury that's like it's it's a little bit tougher of a beast to handle from the PT side hmm. or is it just vary based on like the the person too because like what their mental capabilities are because you know I was reading some stuff about ACLs and like how you know most people heal from the ACL pretty quickly but their mental capacity of like getting back to where they were is not there yet and that's why that kind of extends out to more 8 to 12 months right
0: yeah this. For me, I would probably say it's people that have been persistent pain for, like, years, and they're experiencing ridiculous symptoms, meaning ridiculous just means you have some pain shooting down the leg or the arm. Okay. Because there's, you know, some people I work with that have had these symptoms for over five years, and it's, you know, they become so afraid to move because they don't want to elicit that response, and those people are very tough to work with because they've been over-medicalized. You know, people have been told, told them so many things about what their body is like and what their body is no longer capable of doing. So those sessions, it's a lot of relearning. And sometimes it's relearning through education. Sometimes it's relearning by me showing them that they're capable of, you know, performing certain exercises. But I would say, and it's what we call yellow flags, but not necessarily, and red flags are basically certain things that you have to go to the hospital for Mm -hmm. immediately. Yellow flags are more things where it might hinder the prognosis or the person's ability to recover. And it's things like, being very hypervigilant, um, fear avoidance behaviors, and stuff like that. People that think that movement's gonna hurt them. So, the more emotional side of things, those are the toughest ones, I would say.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you're, but, yeah, it's, um, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, no, I was gonna say that's, you know, similar to what you were saying about the ACL, it's the mental aspect of rehab. Right. That's tough.
1: Right. Nice. Uh, I think, and in, in I, I just recently finished through the Precision Nutrition. Um, uh, certification. And, you know, a big part of that thing is like the behavior change, right? And like, that's kind of what you're talking about in the sense of like, you're asking someone to change the way they've been thinking and approaching their day-to-day life. And ultimately that's not a, that's not a conversation of just like, Hey, cut out the junk food and like, you better eat more vegetables. Like you need, there needs to be a barrier of entry that that conversation needs to be handled a lot differently because that other person responding that message might not, uh they might not take it in the same way. Um, So I think, yeah, to your point, like, the the ability to have, I think it comes back to empathy and, like, you know, being a human, right, ultimately. And, like, I think connecting and, and being able to resonate with where they are and, you know, trying to work around with, you know, their limitations as well as what you know that you need them to do.
0: That's, for me, that's the future of healthcare, right? It's behavior change. It's understanding that most of the time we're trying to get people to do things that they normally don't do. Right. Um, People think like the future of healthcare is like these fancy tools and these fancy (laughs) techniques, but at the heart of what we do is just behavior change. Yeah, We're trying to get people to change their behaviors, whether it's physical activity and from your perspective, a nutritional standpoint, but those are the things that are going to make the long-term difference, not a cool shiny new tool. And I tell this to, you know, every clinician that they ask me like, Oh, what's, what do you think is the future of PT? I'm like, it's behavior change. We've got to get people Changing the behaviors, changing those activity, um, physical activity guidelines, getting people moving.
1: Hundred percent. I love that. I love that. Um, Andy, I mean, obviously, how old are you, by the way? I'm 27. Oh, you're 27. So you're a couple years older than I am. I guess in this very young life that you've lived so far. I think where people over they overvalue age. I think uh, you know after you pass 21, people think that you're old as hell. I mean, I guess that's maybe just millennials. But um, through this point, I guess. Is there any 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 regrets that you have that maybe you you know you did something else that could have got you to where you are faster or whatever? Like, is there any regrets that you have um, from the past couple of years here?
0: Honestly, no. Like, I don't think I'd be the person I am right now if I was like fucking straight A students and doing all that stuff mm-hmm. growing up. Like, I lived a very unorthodox lifestyle for an Asian kid coming up. But there's no regrets. You know, I mean, like, I'm I'm very happy with, with where I'm at right now. And there are certain things I wouldn't have been able to experience. You know, I met my girlfriend in PT school, Mm -hmm. adopted my dog in Florida. So like those things are a big part of my life. And I don't think I'd have that right now if I was, because I I applied to schools outside of New York City because New York City was too competitive. Right. If I had good grades, I probably would have ended up in New York City. So for me, it's like where I'm at right now, I'm just happy with, I don't don't think I can uh, retract anything. I'd, I'd be okay with it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i love it i love that man i love it um i guess this is the last one having the main questions um who are uh, who are some of your like biggest motivators whether it's the you know, people in the pt space maybe it's parents or you know you know loved ones or whatever it might be or or, or someone that you don't know that you just admire i guess who are some people that you you really uh, that motivate you
0: for sure my parents like you know being asian it's just you see the struggle that they go through growing yeah. up and like, my dad used to always come home with, like, shoulder problems because he was a chef. Um, my mom deals with, like, anxiety. So it's just, like, seeing these things growing up, It it's, it's tough because, like, they always put their head down to work. And whenever I'm in that kind of a tough situation, I'm always thinking about, like, you know, mom and dad always did way more. And they were handling, juggling way more than I am. So, like, if they have the strength to get through it, then I do. Um, definitely. And it's just, yeah, it's my, you know, my family for sure. Um, from a clinical perspective, uh, big fan of Craig Liebenson. He's a chiropractor, L.A. spore and spine. Um, he's just one of those people that he's just a wealth of knowledge. He's helped our team tremendously, mm-hmm. and he's shaped my views a lot in rehab. Uh, my team at Reload PT, everyone's, you know, solid clinician, always trying to get better. Big fan of everyone at R2P. Yeah. Just you know, same thing. Like, they're always trying to get better, always trying to push the envelope. And then for people that, like, I've never met, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I got to say Matthew McConaughey. Like, I listen to that dude's motivational speech all the time. He's solid. Like, uh, he's a, I like.
1: Storyteller. Yeah, he is. Have you, have you read his book? Not yet, not yet. You should check it out. I, 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 one of my clients actually gifted that for, for, for me for Christmas, and, I, dude, I finished it really, really fast. But it's an amazing book. You'll probably like him even more.
0: He's, he's got, he's very captivating. You know what I mean? Like it's someone where when he's speaking or when, when he's there, it's like, Oh man, I'm saying this, like I've met him, but like, you know, <laughs> no, sometimes I, I watch these YouTube graduation, you know, speeches from Matthew McConaughey and I feel like I could do anything after <laughs> so that elicited that kind of response. It's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful.
1: It it's is. No, I would uh, definitely check his book out. Cause uh, <laughs> he, I mean, he talks about his whole journey and then how he kind of, uh, how he kind of blossomed into who he is today because he wasn't always that guy. And it's a, uh, it is, it, it's a great book. Definitely get that. And let me know it, it, it once you read it, what you think of it. <laughs> um, I guess it's one of the last main questions I have for you, Andy, is um, for someone like me and maybe people that are personal trainers or, or in the fitness industry, what can we do to, to better educate ourselves to get more of the mindset of a PT and a clinician like you, right? Like in the sense of like, Creating our programming, very similar to, to what you do with people that are hurt, but if they're not hurt, kind of having that instilled in them early so they don't have to deal with the injuries later down the road, you know?
0: The, I would say, you know, obviously the stuff that we were talking about before, just kind of reading and broadening your right. knowledge base. Um, if you're always learning about the same thing, then that's the only thing you'll see. So one of the things I, I think everyone should read about is just in general, pain science, stress science um those two are definitely things where i think it would really help tremendously because when when you understand stress science you know you got a bunch of and then maybe it's more common in new york but you got a bunch of weekend warriors working their stressful nine-to-fives and they come in and they're stressed out and then they go to these um high intensity group fitness classes and it's adding more stress to a very stressed out person already you know just understanding these basic things where you have to let you have to give the person an opportunity to recover right but also the and then on the pain science side of it, it's just being more cognizant of how we speak to people. You know, like I try to not say things like "activate your glutes" or you know "so and so muscles asleep." These things where people are like, "Oh man, if I'm not in this position, this muscle is not functioning." So those things I don't I don't think are helpful for the person in front of you, especially if you want to empower them to be more resilient.
1: Right. No, I like that. I, I love that. I definitely, uh, um, you know, after after we talk, I definitely want to get some of uh, some of those resources for sure. Um, but Andy, so this is now we're going to transition here. This is going to be a little bit lighter topics here. Um, <laughs> this is the hot takes. And basically, I'm gonna just throw a couple questions at you and I want you to just fire away with what comes top of mind, okay? Gotcha. First one favorite book.
0: Favorite book. Damn, this is so hard. Anti it seems <laughs> to leave.
1: Um, anti fragileness.
0: No, anti, uh, it's anti fragility, I think. No, anti fragile.
1: Anti-fragile? Okay. Yeah. I, I, th- I don't think that's ever been said here, so I will have to check that out. Anti-fragile. All right, sweet. Um, next one, favorite cheat meal slash like fast food spot that like is a go-to for you?
0: Oh, not a go-to, but man, I love Popeyes.
1: Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Great choice, Popeyes. is sweet. Um, last one I have for you, favorite athlete of all time, any sport, generation, era, whatever.
0: Favorite athlete of all time, man, I got to say LeBron, like, just because, like, there's so much more to him than just athleticism, right, you know, the dude's just crushing everything, in Life. inside the game, outside the game, like, just phenomenal,
1: yes, and I mean, I think uh, he's a great example of define him and Brady are defying the odds of, you know, as you get older, can you still perform, and I think that they're both great examples of that. Accident yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got to get them on the program.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah, there you go. <laughs> um all right, Andy, now I want to get uh just get a chance for you to for people to connect with you. I guess what's the best way for people to reach out if they have questions or, or looking to get into your program or whatever it might be?
0: Yeah, you can follow me on doc at dr.andychen and my team is at reload.pt and those are the two easiest ways to kind of connect with us.
1: Sweet. And guys, I'll put that in the show notes so you guys will uh have the chance to kind of uh follow Andy there and his team. Um, Andy, the last thing, this is the final part, I swear. Um, this is the final take. And this is honestly one of my favorite parts of the show where I kind of leave it for you to kind of close this out. And you can do that with a question for the audience, maybe a piece of motivation, something encouraging, or maybe just something that's been on your mind over the past year As we've been in quarantine. I guess uh, this is just your time to take the floor and you can kind of close us out of here.
0: Yeah, I'll say, you know, if we keep doing the same things. We're always going to get what we always get. So one of the things I've always very passionate about is just figuring out what i can do to change you know if i'm stuck in a rut like what can i do it could be something as simple as walking a different way to the train eating a different meal but most of the time we stay in these ruts because nothing changes you know being someone that deals with anxiety constantly and always thinking about these stuff one thing that's really helped me is just changing something Mm. for the sake of it you know just i i i can't for me it, it gets crippling to the point where sometimes like I'm afraid to step outside, but I think one of the things that people should always do is just try to do different things. You know, it doesn't matter if it's something small, just pursue different avenues, step outside your comfort zone and that's what's really gonna help you grow.
1: I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Look, change your environment. That's uh, one of the best one of the best pieces of advice that you can give anyone, right? Um, that is amazing. Andy, I appreciate you being a guest, man. This was uh, awesome. And honestly, for the first time, I was just getting to catch up. This is uh, I appreciate you taking the time just to be here.
0: No, for sure. Appreciate you, Matt.
1: Of course, of course. This is episode 48 of the Athletes Marathon Podcast. My name is Matt Choi and we are signing off. Thank you for listening to the Athletes Marathon Podcast. We want to make sure you stay connected with our guests so we'll have access to the show notes and our latest episodes on our website head over to www.theathletesmarathon.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we would love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next week, thanks again for listening.